Hello, Fiddle and Pipians. This is your co-host, Brittany Ross, here with some morning announcements. If y'all missed the live stream last week on Instagram where I was trying to list every state in the U.S. on a map, you can actually find that on our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fiddleandpipe. There for $5 a month, you can access that as well as outtakes from every episode and our happy hour podcast. If you can't or don't want to support us right now, you can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and share us to a friend or a coworker or a family member. Any additional listener really helps us go a little bit farther. You can also find us on Instagram. The podcast is at Fiddle and Pipe. I'm at BM Ross Music and Catherine is at Cat Flinch Flute. You can also find us on Facebook. That's Fiddle and Pipe Forum. And I guess next week is Thanksgiving. Next week we will not have a new episode. We are taking some time off for the holidays, but you can expect us back on December 1st. So if we don't hear from you in the meantime, make sure that you stay safe, have fun, and hopefully have a stress-free holiday. And without further ado, here is today's episode. Hi, I'm Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. We talk a lot before we do the recording, and then when we record, it's like silence, and we're like, what do we talk about now? (laughs) Yeah. And even post-conversation, like after the interview is officially done and you hit stop, then the magic happens even more. And I think, Mm -hmm. gosh, darn it, why was it still not recording? Missed opportunity. It's the pressures of the record button being on. It's just like if you're recording yourself on your instrument or something, you're like, oh, crap. (laughs) Yeah, it's just like performance anxiety <laughs> all over again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious because I want to pick your brains more. Have you noticed your podcasting world strengthening your music world? Hmm. Well, when we were reading music books, yes. <laughs> right now we're reading Twilight, so it's a little bit different. Maybe not so much. I feel like it could be really beneficial from a performance standpoint. Unfortunately, I still haven't had a lot of opportunity because COVID mm-hmm. and and being in Georgia, yeah, which, which chooses to think that COVID's non-existent. <laughs> so it's been interesting, but I can definitely feel myself being less uptight as a podcaster. Oh, interesting. Cool. Yeah. Be more relaxed, kind of go with the flow. Mm, I like it. I'm just uptight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just uptight. I'm like, oh my God, we got to record. We got to do this. We got to do this. <laughs> but that's just me. That's what I thought, Kat, when you said there's a lot of performance anxiety when that record button is pushed, right? Yeah. And it's so true. And it's like, you know, same when we have our flute or our our instrument up, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm on. The one thing that I've noticed, the crafting of podcasting and being a podcasting host and the parallels between what I do as a flutist, my flute playing and my music making has strengthened the more I've been a podcaster. Hmm. Like being okay with silence. I was never really okay with silence before and being okay with that space, being okay with a mistake and saying, um, you know, (laughs) 
I don't want to say um and ah and like and you know and don't you know all the time, but it's going to happen, those filler words. And same thing with being on stage, like being okay with something happening mm -hmm. and then continuing. And then just hearing your voice, like when you play it back in replay, you go, wow, that Chicago Neasley accent voice is so annoying. But oh. you have to. That's <laughs> how I feel with my own. See? Yeah, but then being okay, hearing it back and being comfortable with your voice, right? And that mm -hmm. authentic self and then how it translates over to being a flutist and, and hearing back those recordings and owning it and be like, that's my voice. You know, it may not be so-and-so's, but it's mine. I don't know. I was just kind of curious if you saw the two worlds colliding. That's a really good point. Yeah. Catherine and I, we both edit our podcasts. And I know when I was first editing, I was like, oh, God, I sound like that. That's that's <laughs> awful. Now it's just like, okay, this is how I sound. This is what I do. And I notice how I speak is a lot, as I'm clearly struggling to articulate what I'm saying, is a lot different than how I used to speak, you know, 20 episodes ago. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, I feel a little bit more comfortable as we keep recording and doing episodes speaking, because when I'm in a room full of people, usually I'm just kind of like quiet if I'm like not feeling comfortable or if I'm not sure. Podcasting, at first I was like really scared of doing it, even though like I came up with the <laughs> idea and I was like, hey, Brittany, you want to do a podcast? But I mean, now that I've been podcasting, I've been feeling like I don't feel as afraid to talk in public as much anymore. I don't know. Sometimes I get my words mixed up too. So that always gets me, but I've just been kind of accepting like, oh, like this is who I am. And yeah, yeah it, <laughs> take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah. basically. Yeah. <laughs> I love this cold open approach that we had. <laughs> I really like this too. So we just, yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I was cool. going to say, do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah. Oh, me? Oh, sorry. I thought you Well, you're the flute player. I'm just a violinist. What do I know? I just had two cups of coffee. <laughs> I'm a little hyped right now. Okay, so if anybody has not heard, our special guest today is Heidi K. Begay. I said that right? You did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she is here. She is a fellow podcaster, host of Flute 360, it's a great podcast if you have not listened to it yet. Past month in August, Heidi did a health theme for musicians, and it's not just for flutists, so if you want to go check that out, check out Flute360. The last episode I listened to was with Amy Liker. I really like her, oh. so it was really cool like getting to like hear her talk about her Alexander Technique experiences and even like making us breathe a little bit. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> Heidi, would you like to kind of talk about how you came across your podcast, how that all started? Because I at least know you from seeing your podcast on Instagram, actually. I believe you had a Jolene Madewell on there. Yes. And I think I saw it on her story or post one time. This was years ago. And that's how I stumbled across your podcast. And I added to it on my podcast app and been listening to it ever since. So yeah, it's been around for a while, right? Yes. <laughs> Not to mention the gray hairs in my head, right? Oh my gosh. No. <laughs> Tell me all about it. <laughs> no, you're so sweet, Kat, and thank you for that lovely introduction, and thank you, Brittany, for me being here, and you guys are amazing women, and 
kudos to you for being content creators and being beautiful educators and musicians and putting yourself out there to your tribe every week hats off because it's not an easy job and i admire you wholeheartedly oh thank you you're too kind (laughs) (laughs) no it's the truth and i really mean it and so yes you're right kat the flute 360 podcast has been around for a while we are going into year four and it started off as my dma thesis yeah wow yeah (laughs) a little different kind of avant-garde not your typical thesis and i'm so appreciative of my committee for believing in me and the vision that we had together as a whole and so i graduated with my dma in 2018 so flute 360 launched i believe in march of 2018 and so for the project and to appease my committee i put together eight episodes four about health and four on building a music studio And then from there, it just evolved organically like anything else. And looking back in hindsight and noticing these changes from a bird's eye view, it's like, oh, wow, that's really cool to witness how it evolved organically on its own and with a little bit of push here and there from me and other influences. But it then became a glorified hobby because I really loved it. I really Mm -hmm. love podcasting. I really loved having conversations with people. I am such an extrovert. You put a microphone in front of me and tell me that people are listening to you. I will not shut up. (laughs) That's probably why you led the cold open so well, because Catherine and I are such introverts. We are. It's It's amazing that we actually have a podcast together. I know. (laughs) Even more hats off to you. See? That's Mm -hmm. amazing. You're stepping outside of your comfort zone and trying on a new outfit. So that's amazing. And so then it evolved into a CV builder because I was looking for that glorified full-time academia job. And I Mm -hmm. thought that the podcast could really serve and fit the bill under these two categories of creative activity and publications. Mm. And it did the job. I got a job offer in Shanghai, China. I signed my contract. I was on the plane and then COVID. Oh no. Oh. Bye-bye job. <laughs> oh, were so, you in China when COVID broke out? No. Or were you? Thankfully not. I was here in the States and I just could not get over there. Like COVID had started in March and I signed my contract in April and they said, oh, mm-hmm. you know, things will be fine. We'll be able to bring you over. And then by June, July, they really noticed like, this is not going away. This is going to yeah. be around for a while. And so, yeah, adios job. And so then I was at a crossroads. I thought, okay, what do I do with this podcast? Do I kind of kindly just set it down? Because you know, podcasting takes a long time, right? Yeah. So I thought, okay, do I set it down and take a break from it? Or what do I do with it? Because I knew something had to change. I couldn't still approach it as a thesis or as a hobby or as a CV builder. I had to do something different. And I I wanted to take a little back control of my life. I know I don't have full control, but I wanted to take the reins back just a little bit. So I had a say in where I lived, how I worked, who I worked with. And I was getting tired of just being on the wait list for all of these academia jobs. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to be my own boss. And with that mindset, I had to shift my mindset and seeing Flute360 as a marketing arm, shining a light onto my own product services and offerings. So that's what I've been doing these past year, two years or so, and just shifting. And that podcast 
to answer your question, Kat, that's the evolution of the podcast. I just want to say that because I know your listeners are musicians and creative artists. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we go into a project and we're like, oh, this is going to be, you know, X, Y, Z, and it's going to form this way. And this is the end result. And sometimes it unfolds that way. And other times it kind of takes a life of its own. And you're like, mm -hmm. wow, I was yeah. not expecting that. Okay. That's fun though. Or that's interesting. Sorry. As a podcast who actually successfully got off the ground, because I think in musician circles, yours is a fairly well-known and popular podcast. What were your initial struggles and how did you overcome them? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Yes. My initial struggles were probably surrounded around the idea of who am I to have a voice in this industry and to then broadcast it out into the world. Like who would want to listen to me <laughs> because I'm not, you know, the James Galway or I'm not a yada yada. A little bit of imposter syndrome kind of. Definitely. Yes. But then I realized we all have unique voices. And the more I did these interviews with the big names like Amy Porter and Amy Lycar and Marianne Gadigian and Marina Piccinini, I realized everybody has their own path. Mm -hmm. We all have such unique skill sets and unique voices to offer this world and no two people are going to look the same. So realizing that and understanding that that was a huge help towards overcoming that imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're doing a series and I listened to one of your episodes. It's part one. You were talking about musicians networking and everything like connecting with others and, you know, kind of exploring different paths or whatnot. Can you explain what the series is about for our listeners? Yes. You are talking about the current series that is going on right now. I mm -hmm. believe it is. I believe it's series 38 mm -hmm. and it's episodes 173, 174 and 175. And you're right, Kat, it's all about building relationships. And the reason why I'm honing in on this topic is because I've been talking with Blue to 360 listeners these past few weeks in deep dives. And through our talks, I get to hear their stories, their pain points, their aspirations, their goals. And it just, it inspires me. I need to know what my listeners where they're at, what they're doing, what they're struggling with, because how can I create content mm -hmm. if I'm not pulling on their heartstrings and helping them and helping them navigate this new music industry. Mm -hmm. So from those conversations, I noticed, you know, these different pain points were coming up and the main pain point is how do I create my own opportunities? And so I took it upon myself to say, okay, let's do a, a little mini three-part series to look at the heart of this pain point. And I really truly believe that from the initiation of any creative project, the heart of it is people and community and coming together and working together. And if we as musicians don't step outside of our comfort zone and initiate the relationship like we did a few weeks ago or a <laughs> month ago, and then if you don't get to know them and take an interest in them, cultivation, it's not going to scale. So mm -hmm. this is a beautiful example of series 38. I noticed you ladies from afar. I was like, yeah, they are doing amazing things, uh -huh. you know? And I've been noticing Kat from afar because we are within the same flute industry mm -hmm. yeah. through social media. And, 
you know, it's great to have social media admirers and notice accounts and things like that, but to take a step further and to actually like interact and be in each other's lives is a whole different ball game. Is it not? Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, totally. Just from being on Instagram, you're not really communicating as much through video or like kind of like in a real time situation. If you're actually meeting the person in person, it's Mm -hmm. easy to kind of go behind the screen and, you know, like for me, at least I'm very introverted when I meet new people, especially musicians, flutists, because I get nervous because I'm like, oh, like, I don't know them. Do they know me? I don't know. It, It just gets a little bit scary at times. And it's easy though when I'm on Instagram to connect with people because you're, you know, you're behind the screen and you're texting and you're talking and it's a little bit easier. And then when I meet them in person, I'm like, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> like I don't, <laughs> it's just the introverted in me, but doing something like this and connecting and through a podcast interview like this is a little bit more comforting in a sense because I don't know, I feel a little bit more comfortable being on a podcast as we do it more and more. I remember being in a music entrepreneurship class in undergrad and our teacher was telling us that we should go out there and connect with other people and even people in the music school that's not just specific instrument or section we should go out there and cultivate relationships with people around us because they might lead you somewhere that you didn't expect that's beneficial in some ways I mean this is kind of like what you said, this is a great example of that. And not many of us do that because we're used to going to the practice room and staying in the practice Mm. room. (laughs) Yeah. And that's how Brittany and I met. (laughs) Yep, we would hang out in practice rooms together. (laughs) (laughs) We were practicing. (laughs) We're gonna practice, we're gonna chat. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's what I've noticed from like, from a music student standpoint, because that's what you're taught to do in music school. You're taught to practice your instrument, Keep your head down, work hard. Yeah, and Hmm. going out is, don't go out, (laughs) study. Everyone goes out. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm curious, here's a follow-up question. Here's the podcaster and me asking you ladies a question now. Did you ever think in your wildest dreams when you met in school and getting to know each other through the practice room that you too would start a podcast years later i literally didn't know what a podcast was a year ago (laughs) (laughs) it's embarrassing to say but i didn't get it i just thought it was glorified radio it is glorified radio but i was like why do you want to just listen to people talk (laughs) i was like why do you why do you want to do that and now the only thing except when i'm running or working out the only thing i really listen to is podcasts and I, I'm kicking myself for not getting into it sooner. And there's literally podcasts about everything. <laughs> Anything you could ever want. It's out there. Any interest. Any oh, hobby, yeah. It's out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, yeah. maybe not even like, did you think in your wildest dreams that you would be putting together a podcast, but just anything in general? No. <laughs> not no. really. Not <laughs> like this. I think I tried one time. And this was years ago, like back in undergrad, 2012 or something. I think I tried doing a vlog on YouTube and it just didn't end up working out because at the time I had a camera, but it wasn't the greatest quality that I wish I had. And I didn't want to spend the money on it. Realizing now that I'm older, that if you want to do these things, and for me, I knew that if I wanted to do a podcast, I'd need to find a microphone. I would need to find a good 
set of headphones to make sure that, you know, it's canceling out the noise that's coming on my end. You have to invest in things like that. And at the time when I was an undergrad, I wasn't willing to invest in that. I think I mentioned this to Brittany when we, the first book that we actually did was The Inner Game of Music. And I remember being an undergrad and my teacher was telling me, you should read The Inner Game of Tennis or The Inner Game of Music. And I never did because I didn't want to invest in buying a book. I was like, oh no, I need to pay rent. Uh, I need to pay my rent. Uh, and then I need to go get a cup of coffee every morning. So no, I can't do that. Yeah, I tried doing stuff like that when I was a lot younger and I didn't take that extra step or mile in investing in it and it just didn't work out. But now that I'm older and I kind of look back and I'm telling myself, you know, this didn't work out because I didn't put the time and effort in this and I should. And if I want this to break through. So Mm -hmm. yeah, did not expect that at all. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I don't think either of us expected anything like that. I think we expected to go to Waffle House or something. (laughs) Yeah. Get some taco salads and some marks. Yeah, like, oh, you want to go do something and not practice? Hell yes. (laughs) What would I want to (laughs) practice? Oh my gosh. Those are some really fun college memories. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. We've been friends for 10 years now. That's insane. doesn't feel like 10 years. I told her literally like 30 minutes ago, I was like, does not feel like it's been 10 years since we've been in college. I feel so much older. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Heidi? I know that you said that you did your thesis on podcasting, but did you ever expect to do that when you started college or when you started your doctoral studies? Very good question. No, I did not. I did not anticipate that at all. And a huge influence both in my personal and my professional business world is my husband. And his name is Eric J. Begay. And I bring him up because he actually influenced my master's thesis and my doctoral thesis. And so you have an idea, because when I was 13, little Heidi said, ooh, I want to be Dr. Heidi one day. And Mm 13-year-old Heidi had no idea you would be having to write a huge paper. Do you know what I mean? I just (laughs) saw a mentor and I was like, ooh, I want to be like her one day. And then fast forward 20 years, you know, I'm graduating with my DMA. And no, I didn't expect my master's thesis to be around Catherine Hoover's Native American works. Mm -hmm. And I did not expect my DMA thesis to be around podcasting. And the one main influence for both theses was Eric, because my husband is actually Navajo. He's from the Diné tribe. Mm -hmm. He speaks the language fluently. That's Begay. Some people see me and they're like, oh, is it French? I'm like, no, it's actually Native American. And Begay is kind of like the Johnson last name of the American culture, Hmm. Uh, very standard. And so when I was picking my master's thesis out with my then mentor, Dr. Danette McDermott, we were looking at different topics and things like that. And she's like, hey, Heidi, you have a very interesting, different perspective that you can maybe bring into the Western world of music from your in-laws, from your family, and talk about this work that's written by an American composer, Catherine, but you can bring in the historical and the cultural context into works like Coco Pelli and Winter Spirits and talk to Native Americans because I had an in with the tribe to really cultivate that thesis. So that was a very interesting spin. And then my DMA thesis, same thing. My husband is an audio video engineer and we own a company called JK Media Productions. 
So he's a musician by trade, guitarist, everything. Started getting into recording and when we went out to Lubbock, he was starting up his business and he was asking musicians like, hey, do you need your album produced? Do you need recordings done for festivals? And that was happening here and there, but the clientele that kept knocking on his door was actually podcasters. And so he started helping podcasters take out their ums, their ahs, and their weird pauses, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that ever happens. No, never. Never. No. <laughs> and so he started doing that full time, making a full time living, sitting on the couch, editing those ums and ahs out for podcasters across the globe, California, Australia, New Zealand, and it was really neat. So he's starting up his podcasting audio business as I'm doing flute studies and the traditional curriculum for my mm -hmm. DMA. Mm -hmm. And he's just jabbering into my ear on the sidelines saying, oh, podcasting and podcasters, this is what's going on in the industry. They're getting corporate sponsorships. They're building their digital classes there. I'm like, yeah, whatever, like, <laughs> go away. But have you heard of Mozart? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Data go there, please. Yeah. <laughs> let me do my Shankaran analysis. Let, let me get to it. And so that influence was there and he was planting those seeds and never, ever, ever did I imagine that then coming to Lisa and my committee saying, I have an idea. And then Lisa saying, yes, you need to do this. Did I ever think that it was going to come, you know, and where Flute360 would be born through the podcasting world. It's, it literally is like mind blowing to me. what we're taught in music school. And it's mainly just like, you know, you need to practice your craft and get better at it to be out in the real world, which is great. There's nothing wrong with getting better at your instrument and learning more about it so that if you teach others, you have that knowledge. And if you were able to perform, you have that skill. But there's other things that you can do that are not just playing your instrument all the time and teaching people all the time. And I wish that that was kind of a little bit more advertised or just thrown out there when we were in school because I don't remember anything like that. Yeah, basically the expectation was if you're a performance major, you were going to end up in some big symphony playing mm -hmm. full time, which none of us do, you know, only maybe two of us do. Or if you're an education major, you're just going to teach in schools and there's no middle ground. There's no other alternative. No. I mean, I think there was a BA when we were there and I was a BA actually just in music. And then I switched it to performance, but there wasn't really a composition degree until maybe halfway I was in undergrad. And then I think that's it. There's not music history, music theory. Yeah. It wasn't really as well advertised and even in the music entrepreneurship class that I took, it wasn't even thought of. And didn't we, we had like a music business or a recording studio. Yeah, we had music business, but it was a subset of the business school. And yeah. it was really more, it was like audio engineering. Yeah. So it wasn't what you would think of when you think music business, because I looked into it because I thought it was entrepreneur, like entrepreneurship, basically, but a minor in it. 
And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to study recording and acoustics. I never saw an interaction where our school and their school collided, ever. No, Which is really. weird, you know, because wouldn't that kind of be related in some way? You would think. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. No, I love these perspectives. And this is exactly something that I'm doing with my composer friend, Garrett Hope. He actually serves multiple hats in my life. He's a friend. He's been a coach. We are both on the executive committee for the Ultimate Music Business Summit. We're putting together a class called the Pivoting Musician that's going to launch later in October. And the Pivoting Musician is actually going to help solve some of these pain points that you ladies are talking about right now. So it's really good for me to hear y'all's perspectives because you just got out of school just recently compared to my old age and when I graduated college. <laughs> but to hear this, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're onto something because this is a pain point for many, many musicians. Yeah, and it didn't really mm -hmm. take until the pandemic to really realize that because I'm before the pandemic, I was performing a lot and I was teaching and I was, you know, I was in a happy place and I felt good. And then when things kind of shut down, I was like, I'm not playing anymore. I'm only practicing for yeah. my own personal benefit. And if I'm not, I'm not. But how am I going to pay the bills? <laughs> right? And then what about my students? When school shut down, obviously, we're not going to the schools to go help out and clinician and get paid. And some of my students, they weren't willing to do online Zoom lessons. Mm. Or they couldn't afford it. Yeah. I spent a lot of 2020 just kind of sitting around being like, what do I want to do? And what can I do that still... That still is an option. Yeah. And it didn't really take until the pandemic to really figure it out. This is a thing and you can do this. Yeah. I just wish it was a little bit more advertised. Maybe today now that technology has advanced, surprisingly. And schools are slow to catch up. Yeah. I'm thinking that there is a possible shift where this can be like advertised to students today. It needs to be because... Again, not everybody is going to be performing in every single symphony. There's very limited jobs. There's a lot of emphasis on forging your own path and being a freelancer and having multiple streams of income, but they don't really tell you how to do any of that. Mm -hmm. And you got to figure it out yourself. Nope. <laughs> and it's frustrating to figure it out for yourself because in school, and rightfully so, these music curriculums are honing in on you need to play your instrument well. And that's mm -hmm. the focus. And that's good. We need to have beautiful music being played. And we need to, as performers, respect the music and respect what's on the page. But it's false advertisement. They are getting us ready for one of two jobs, academia or mm -hmm. being a player in an orchestra. Mm -hmm. That was our mentors and our professors' reality 20 plus years ago. That is not our reality now. It's just not. And we're trying to shove thousands of well-qualified players with degrees who are qualified into this one little door where only 1%, 2% will get hired. And that's not sustainable. No, it's <laughs> no. just not. <laughs> and it even like affects your mental health too, because Oh, horrendously. Yeah. You spend so much time on an audition, for instance, and you go into the audition and you find out that you did not make it. And it just messes with your mental health because you're like, well, what am I doing? Like, I know that there's other auditions out there, but 
It's like, I've been doing this for 17 years and I'm only this far. Yeah. What's wrong with me? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at least for me lately, I've been feeling like a lot of those feelings. I've been playing for this many years. I've been studying my craft for this many years and I'm not playing regularly with an orchestra like this. And I want to be, but I also realize that I have different passions and everybody does. And I just seem to have lost it because I spent so many years just focusing on flute, not Mm -hmm. expanding my options (laughs) other than like Mm -hmm. delivering pizzas and making lattes. (laughs) Um, But I mean, it, I mean, when you notice that you have different skill sets that does, that doesn't just pertain to your instrument, you can really utilize them and make something out of it that could be related to music or not related to music, something that makes you happy and is sustainable for you. Mm -hmm. You could not have said that any better, Kat. That is amazing. And you need to be preaching that along with Brittany to the masses as much as you can, because Mm -hmm. you're right. At 33, when I graduated with my doctorate and spent two years just doing applications, 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 your identity almost gets crushed. You're like, I worked 20 years on a doctoral degree and I'm not using it. I mean, it was a dark time for me. It was not fun. I would not wish those feelings and that pain on my worst enemy. It was horrendous. So my heart goes out to you, Kat. And thank you for being so vulnerable and honest in your Instagram story. I watched that yesterday and I was like, oh, oh, my heart. I wish I could give you a hug and be like, you're not alone. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah. no, and you're not alone. You really aren't alone. And this Mm -hmm. is the story that I'm hearing time and time again. And it's not our mentor's fault. Mm -mm. It's not the system's fault because this has been something that, something that has always been done. This is what we've always done. And that's fine, but things are changing. Life is changing. The music industry is changing. The pandemic really shifted things pretty quickly. So Mm -hmm. we have to pivot. We have to be willing to adapt and be flexible and to bring in those different skill sets in order to, yes, I can play my instrument really well, but now guess what? You have to think like a business. You have to know marketing. You have to know how to network. You have to know audio and video production. And the list goes on. In order to be a walking music business, you have to be like it. Mm -hmm. And that's our new reality. And so you're right. I do hope and I do pray that these institutions start waking up and start noticing this because we are not serving our students. Our students are paying thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars for a bachelor's, master's, and a DMA degree. And Mm -hmm. if we're not serving them in the right capacity for what's really out there, then there's going to be a lot of frustration and a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. And kids will stop going to school. Basically. Mm. What's the point? I have my master's in violin performance. I considered for a long time getting my doctorate. The only thing that really stopped me was A, I would need to pay for it. And B, the only thing it'd be really good for is if I wanted to teach out of college. So I'm like, what's the point? You know, that's three years of my life for, oh, maybe you can teach out of college. Yeah. Yeah. And those jobs are out there. So I don't want to sound like I'm on my soapbox and playing my small little violin over here. Those jobs are out there, but it's one every how many years. And then Mm -hmm. 
the masses come, thousands and thousands of applicants come, and how can one person see your application, your CV on the pile of thousands of qualified people? These aren't just people who are just applying just to apply. They are yeah. qualified and they are good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's the problem with symphony jobs too that these colleges are trying to train us for is the really good full-time positions. Everyone and their mother applies mm-hmm. and you're competing with so many people. I mean, I'm a violinist, so I think I have it a little bit easier than you both because there are however many violins in the orchestra, 40, and how many flute players? Like three, maybe? maybe? four max. (laughs) It's crazy. If you don't do one of these two or three things, you're, for all intents and purposes, considered a failure. Yeah. So, and that's like the narrative that we're trying to rewrite currently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talking about this and music and being an entrepreneur and diving into different things, What is UMBS all about? I know that you are one of the leaders of it, and there's a summit happening in January, which I'm actually really gearing towards attending because it looks really interesting, and I think it'd be really good because I'm in this place. (laughs) Uh, Could you (laughs) talk a little bit about this summit that's happening? Sure, and that's a beautiful segue. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Brittany was the queen of transitions in our last episode. I was trying to think where to sneak it in, but we kept we kept getting distracted. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> it's Catherine's turn. It's fine. Yeah, no, that was wonderful. Kudos to you. I had an awful segue situation one time. We were talking about the Amish country, and I'm like, well, how do Speaking I get Speaking of the Amish. Amish. <laughs> <laughs> they might have outfits that are in black and orc orchestral musicians wear black and yeah so anyways it's it's (laughs) but anyways i digress so yes thank you kat for asking and let me just say we would love to have both of you attend i think exactly what you ladies are saying in the world that you are in right now you would benefit tremendously from these three days and i hope to see you there because i want to serve people just like you and I would not be doing this and painstakingly put together a summit with my two colleagues if people like you don't show up because that's where the heart of the summit is, is the attendees and this community effort, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So anyways, the Ultimate Music Business Summit or AKA UMBS is going to be held January 6th, 7th and 8th, 2022. And uh, just like the invitation to Brittany and Kat, I would love to see you there, the listener. If you're listening to this right now, I would love to see you there. And we have 35 presenters going to lay out their expertise within three days. We are going to have and host an array of different topics to serve the 21st century musician with these exact things that we are discussing today. Things like marketing and audio video production networking, collaborating, funding your next creative project through corporate sponsorships, grants, etc. And so we have an array of different topics from an array of different experts really pouring themselves into our participants. And this started last year with Dr. Garrett Hope. The first annual summit went down last year, January 2021. And so we are continuing it and Garrett was so kind to say, hey, Arthur and Heidi, like, I need some help. I want to blow this up and make it even bigger and better. Can you help? And so Arthur Brewer, myself and Garrett Hope are putting together this event. 
Those are the dates, the topics. Some of our presenters include Dr. Catherine Eminith. Mm -hmm. We have our keynote speaker, Drew Coles. We also have many, many notable presenters throughout the world actually coming and talking through this summit. David A. Jones, Sam Reddy, Kathy Blocky, and much more. Yeah, I saw the list of people and they all look familiar <laughs> in like some way. Like I've seen them on social media in some form. So I was like, wow, like, there's a lot of people that I know of that are going to be talking in this. And it looks like a really interesting event. I think it'd be really beneficial and especially for like students, students that are graduating too, because yeah, it gets down to crunch time and time goes by fast. <laughs> like I'm just saying. Yeah, suddenly I'm looking at 30 and like, oh my, where did you come from? <laughs> yeah. It just looks really interesting. It is, it's just virtual, though in person, just accessible on your laptop. <laughs> Yes, thank you for asking. It is virtual mm -hmm. and you can go to musicsummit.biz, so that's .biz, and you can claim your seat. There are different pricing packages that will come up through the site very soon. There's an array of different presentations and how they will be presented through like either live or pre-recorded, hybrid. There will be solo presenters, panel discussions. So there's a good mix of everything. Yeah, that sounds really cool and accessible. That does sound really cool. And we'll put the link <laughs> of the UMBS website in our description as well if you are interested in attending or if you want to get a little bit more information. So yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's very sweet of you. And getting back to you being a podcaster and potential growing pains. I know we talked about this like 40 minutes ago, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just going to get us right back there. A lot of people who listen to our podcasts are either musicians or podcasters themselves. A lot of people that I know are having growing pains in the sense that they are stuck with about 30 to 100 listeners. What is your advice to get past that first growing pain hurdle as a podcast? Yeah. Good question. So keep showing up, keep marketing your show. And I highly recommend that you ladies be a guest on other people's podcast shows as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a big one. That's what I was reading too. And I was reading about podcasting and like how to market yourself is connect with other podcasts, which is what you did. And you invited us to that Facebook group because it's all of us together in one little yeah, group. There's so many people in that group. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't realize how many musicians had a podcast. I was like, whoa, that's a lot more than I thought. Yeah, bringing everything full circle, everything from what Brittany just said to Kat's talk about UMBS, etc. No matter what creative project you're doing, whether it's a summit, a composition, a podcast, I don't care what. And it goes back to my three episodes, Three Flute to 360. The heart of any creative endeavor is people. You cannot do it alone. You have mm -hmm. to bring in people into your orbit and you have to create your own tribe. So with UMBS, I was noticing you guys from afar for quite some time, but I had then a very special way to kind of get into your orbit and say, hey guys, guess what? There's this UMBS summit. I want to promote your podcast. Would you be willing to support my summit? Mm -hmm. And then it's a win-win-win for everybody. I'm not going in and thinking, what can I get out of Brittany and Kat? 
because <laughs> that's selfish and that's horrible yeah. but yeah. it's like how can i return the favor how can i support them what do they need how can i connect them with mm-hmm. so and so and then coming and saying hey guys come to the podcasting group and from mm-hmm. there like you said there are tons of musicians who podcast what because of that invitation we were able to talk about your podcast and umbs this ripple effect is enormous now what's going to happen next like I hope and I pray that you guys then start forming new relationships with other podcasting musicians in that group. Mm -hmm. So that way Mm -hmm. you can go on their show and vice versa, cross promotion. What's that JFK quote? When the tide rises, all boats rise. Mm -hmm. You cannot do it on your own. Like we think, you know, again, maybe going back to the practice room, my time, I got to practice my instrument, boom. And there's a lot of beauty in that. But at the same time, if you do not take those blinders and widen them out a little bit and to get more of a wider scope of things, you're going to miss out on beautiful relationships and opportunities. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. It's a big thing. (laughs) But, you know, and then think about it, too. Like, then you are coming into UMBS from different perspectives. Now you Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. a corporate sponsor. You are sponsoring the summit. We cannot do it, you know, without people like you. And then you're Mm -hmm. going to come in now as an attendee also. And then when you come in as an attendee, and this is a shout out to everybody, your career and your music business will scale. If you reach out to somebody in the meetup rooms, like after a conversation or after a presentation, there's going to be like a live Q and A. This is an opportunity to ask or pick the expert's brain. Mm -hmm. And from that conversation, there's interaction, and then from interaction, inspiration happens. You never know what one text message or what one question can lead you to. Like, for example, last summit, I was a presenter, but I was also attendee. I showed up, I was asking questions. It is a little uncomfortable, even though I'm an extrovert. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little uncomfortable, but these are real people and real testimonials. This is just my story, but. There are many, many other people out there saying the same thing. And I'm only highlighting this because I want people to get jazz. I want people to see the possibilities. As a presenter last year and as a attendee last year, I was able to forge easy five or six meaningful relationships. Mindy Peterson, who is the podcast host of Enhanced Life with Music. Glory St. Germain, who has a music theory piano business. Garrett Hope, composer and everything. The list goes on and on. I can't rattle off everyone's name, but let's take Glory's relationship here for a second. She and I got to know each other. She called me saying, hey, Heidi, I love what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, same, Glory. You are like kicking some major booty. Like you are doing it, girl. She then invited me to co-author a book with her. And then she hired JK Media Productions to produce her podcast, which is going out here in a few weeks. I'm going to hire her to be a coach for me soon. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, this is a free summit, y'all. Last year it was free. This year there's a small fee. But a Mm -hmm. free summit led me to being a co-author, helping her produce a podcast, and she has been coaching me. That's amazing. (laughs) That's really cool. It's a small world. Yeah. It's a very small world. And that's something that I've been on my soapbox lately, going back to those three episodes with 360, is like, Get out there, show up, Mm -hmm. reach out. You know, you can show up, which is great. But if you're not like, hey, I'm Heidi, (laughs) I love what you're doing. And you don't start that conversation, then how can it mature? It can't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
it's good to connect. It's good to reach out. And even if you're afraid, everybody has been in that place. Again, we're introverts, Brittany and I. And it's yeah. a little <laughs> freaky to like, not freaky, it's a little scary to like reach out at first. And it's easy to feel that way. But also remember, if you're listening and you feel that way as well, everybody goes through it. Everybody goes through it. And the more that you reach out to people, the more comfortable you feel reaching out later on. You just never know. Just putting yourself out there can do tremendous things for your music business or career. And if it doesn't scale, then you've made a new friend. And that's beautiful yeah. in of itself, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So I could talk about that all day long and, you, <laughs> and you'll be like, oh my gosh, Heidi, shut up, please. Like this is too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm very passionate about people and I think we can serve each other in beautiful ways. Yeah, we're all in this together, y'all. We really are. And I'm quoting High School Musical for a reason because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Heidi, thank you so much for doing this with yeah, us. Yeah, thank you so oh. much. You guys are so sweet. Thank you. Thank you for your support. And I cannot do it alone. And that's why I grabbed you two ladies and threw you into my orbit. And I am always here for you. If you need someone just to like vent to, pick my brain anytime, seriously, wholeheartedly, I am always here for you ladies. This is not by coincidence. This is a thing. And now you and we are in each other's lives for a reason. So let's own it. Thank you. Is there anything that you want to give a last minute plug to? Oh my goodness. We've said so much. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I should just give you the opportunity if you want to. (laughs) No, you're so sweet. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I just second everything that Brittany and Kat and I have been saying, you know, within this time together, reach out to people, show up and... Yes. If you need more information about the summit, go to musicsummit.biz. And if you want more information about me and reaching out, you can go to my website at HeidiKBigay.com. That's my full name. And K is spelled out. K-A-Y. So H-E-I-D-I-K-A-Y-B-E-G-A-Y.com. Nice. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heidi. Thank you. This was awesome. (laughs) Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Brittany. And listeners, I guess we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.